two and two and one. Oh, shucks, I can't dance. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Open Gov, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories about what open government and open data look like. My name is Richard Pietro, and today I am joined by Raquel Bernardo Pardal, and she is the Disaster Management Senior Officer for the Spanish Red Cross. Now in Canada and the United States, the Red Cross is mostly known as an emergency services organization, but what I've come to learn is that in many countries, the Red Cross is a much more integrated agency in the daily affairs of their communities. In the case of Spain, they help in job training and placement, social inclusion, environmental progress, and they even help school children with their studies. And today, Raquel will tell us about Cruz Roja Responde Open Data, an incredible tool that she and others at the Spanish Red Cross created to help visualize and understand the work they do, the people they help, and the impact they've had in Spain. Hello, Raquel, and thanks for joining us. Hello, Richard. Thanks a lot for the invitation. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So why don't we start at the beginning? Tell us a little bit more about Cruz Roja Responde. Cruz Roja Responde is the initiative that has been carrying out in order to respond to the COVID uh, in Spain. We have had many activities in different areas and sectors in which the Spanish Red Cross has contributed uh, in order to relieve the suffering of the population in many different areas. For example, in disaster management, in, in health, with all the psychological support to the beneficiaries and to the general population that at some point have needed it. Also for our beneficiaries of social inclusion, we have made a more follow-up of each case so elderly people would not feel alone and that could be informed. We have been informing many, doing many campaigns for sensibilization and yes, we have been also creating trainings so people could understand what was COVID-19 and how you could fight it, right? Like how to mitigate the possibility of, of having it and things like, like this. This is response, it's like response. So it's the, all the activities that the Spanish Red Cross have been doing in, in this response for this pandemic in, in Spain. And the tool you created, which is made using Power BI, the Microsoft Power BI, you have like six different areas of intervention, I think you call them. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about those, how you were able to integrate sort of your own data sets, turn them into open data sets, and, and create this visualization tool for the public? Okay, so what we do is that we have our own uh, applications in order to register all the activity that we carry on. And also it, it helps us as well to register all the volunteers' hours that volunteers do uh, with their time to help others. So um, in these applications, what we do is that we register the activity. Then through different IT processes, what we do is that we make some queries to the databases in order to create files that go into a process of extract, transform, and load to have data ready to visualize it into the dashboard. 
Of course, all of this is comply uh, with the uh, European legislation, the GDPR, that is the general uh, data protection regulation in Europe that is quite restricted. So um, this is how the process that we have gotten to secure data and make sure that no public data goes out, but only the activities that and the numbers of activities that we do. What we do is that we saw the number of people read, but um, it's mainly through the different anonymization of databases. And, and what about the, the dashboard itself? How has that sort of, those visualization tools help deliver the message? And, and, and going to more the, the mechanics of the dashboard, like what will people find? What kind of information can they discern from it and things of that nature? So in general, as we have just said, we, we have in the dashboard, we have six different uh, areas. Disaster management, uh, health, social inclusion, employability, education, environment, and environment or green response. So in each one, what you can find is the, the map of Spain with the provinces. With the, it depends on the number of activities that have been done. The, the map comes to different colors, right? Like in some cities, that have been more affected, the number of activities that have been done have been bigger. So, for example, um, in, in the, when you enter in one of the specific sectors, what you find is for, by categories, uh, the number in, in different graphics, you find the, the type of uh, categories that you have regarding persons or people or regarding responses. The difference between responses and people is that one person can get different responses depending on the situation. And then you have the, um, also the activities that we do to the, uh, the general public, but that we don't gather data about, the, about these people. For example, in many places we have been distributing a mask for protection and that is not, we, don't, we cannot count uh, one mask, one person, because that not, would not be realistic. So what we try to do is to be as much transparent as, as we can with all the data that we collect and, and that's how it's uh, arranged the, the dashboard. You so, also have, yeah. No, no, go ahead. I interrupted you. Please continue. Yeah, no, what I was going to say that there are also some other uh, parts of the dashboard in which, in which you can see the achievements that we have gotten because when we started the process, what we did is that we developed some indicators that we have been following during all this time, and you can see the process of, of the achievement of the achievement. So this way, people that have been donating or that uh, have been contributing to Cruz Roja during this period can see what we have been doing with those with those fundings, for example. And that's one of the things I remember when we did our, our pre-interview, so I could learn a little bit more about the program that the Red Cross, when it comes to a lot of these social programs, will submit to RFPs that the government issues on social programs. And I can only imagine how great that would be in many Western countries that are in charge of social programs and, and publishing the data. Like you have information, like how many people you, you, you help, how many interventions there are. And just, I'm curious to know real quick, when the tool was first created, and you personally started playing around with it. Were there any kind of insights or, or moments where you're like, oh, I, I had no idea. This is really interesting. I didn't know. Like, has it even helped you a little bit? Has it surprised you in any way? 
Yes, of course, because mainly when, when you work in a in an organization so big at the Spanish Red Cross, many times you don't know what other departments are doing, right? So this is a really good tool to learn about our own organization and so the public can learn about the organization and the activities that we do because usually Red Cross is associated with ambulances or with emergencies, but we have uh, a few, an overall broad uh, pr programs and projects that many people don't know about us. So you learn a, a, as well how the impact in one program can can help to others or how the impact in one person, because what Spanish Red Cross is working is in the process of attending, of mapping a user from the beginner. It, this is not like mapping a user. It's like when a person comes into Spanish Red Cross, this person gets an evaluation and maybe this person comes into only for one thing, but evaluating all the person uh, environment, you can find out that the problem might be different ones. So you try to provide an integrated response to this person and not only for the reason this person came in. So this has been very interesting because from the disaster management response, many times we are on distribution on relief items or things that are very fast and many times you cannot interact so much with users. But in other departments, they do and you learn a lot. And this helps to the organization to be transversal and to be able to respond in integrated ways. And what was it that you personally, when you were looking at it, you didn't even know about the Red Cross in terms of the scale of it, the programs that it has? But like, give me an example here of, of how you were surprised. Um, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because uh, no, the thing is that, for example, for me, it, the the opportunity of having this open data for me itself was a surprise because uh, what I've learned is that Spanish Red Cross has been behind these kind of activities for a long time because of the all the IT restrictions in order to make systems secure have been a blocker for this to happen, but. Thanks to the, all the activities that we have done and the, um, the leadership of Spanish Red Cross wanted this. And also uh, my colleagues, Jose Miguel and Alicia, that have been working all the time with uh, the open data. And this has been a huge improvement in the organization for me. Like, I, I really like to be part of this organization. And also the next steps that are for this is to try to make this open and that people, it's already open, but that people can access to the data, right? That they can manage their own data by downloading it and that being able to, to do things with data. Hold um, on a second. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you though. I'm not quite sure I heard correctly. Did you say that the data that powers the dashboard is or is not available for the public? It's not available for the public. For the meantime, the idea is that in the in the near future, it will be available. Gotcha. And also, we will try to extend this to other projects and programs because this has been very specific and the COVID response has, is the one that has helped us to bring this to the public. But we want to keep going with this initiative and be able to do with all the different programs that uh, we have at the Spanish Red Cross. The idea is to continue with this, uh, with this initiative and be able to show all what we do and in, in the, with the objective of being more transparent and, and more accountable. 
Now, you mentioned earlier that one of the things that, that really helped in creating this tool was that the leadership, you guys, at least at the Spanish Red Cross, already have a very rich culture of transparency, accountability, open data, and all these things. So this was a, a, an idea from the leadership on down, I think is what you were saying earlier. But I do know sometimes, especially with larger organizations, that tools like this can face some resistance. Even though there was leadership buy-in, was there any of that resistance in creating this tool? Yes, I mean, always there is resistance for these kind of things. Um, I usually work inside the disaster management unit. Uh, I work a lot with in, information management in general, and we have, we have seen in many different operations and responses that until the people do not see the products and the benefits of having this kind of products, they don't buy it because um, it's a very difficult uh, barrier to break. Uh, but when people start seeing the advantages of having these tools, then they start changing because even the more non-technical people uh, understand that with these kind of tools, they can go to their uh, regional governments, to the regional authorities, and so what Spanish Red Cross is doing, and you can even filter by province or region inside the map. So this can give you the activities that uh, specific in, in, in small places or larger places, the different activities that they have been doing. So it's a tool that it really helps. And when people see that, then all the, um, the inconvenience that they thought it would have, that disappears. This tool was created as a response to the pandemic because being obviously, obviously you guys were hit hard, you know, you in Italy and, and now strangely enough, a few months later, it's in the United States. They're, they just don't seem to be learning, but how fast was this tool created internally and pushed out to the public from the moment that the leadership says, we got to do this to the moment where you went live? Like how long did that take? Well, in fact, it was in two steps. Uh, the first one was like about one month from we have the state of uh, alert. I don't know if that's in English as well. <laughs> the the sorry state of I, what? Sorry? Alert. Or, like, state of alert. Yeah. Yeah. So um, here it was the 14th of March. So like one month later, we already had one Power BI, maybe one or two months, maybe it was two months at the end of April or May, uh, we had one Power BI and then, but that one was fit manually with different files. So we had to update the files and then send it to the, to the dashboard. So after that was done and was weekly updated, then the second step was, okay, we have this uh, that we have to do it manually, but we try to have all the information updated uh, once per week. And then the next step was, okay, now that we, we are able to do this, we are going to see how we can automatize this part. So this could uh, be fitted by the own database information. How, I'm, I'm curious to know, how has the tool sort of impacted the region? Like, how, how has it been welcomed? Like, how has the public reacted to this tool? Is it highly visited? Is it being used by educational bodies for other reasons? Like, tell, tell me about the impact. Well, usually um, many things that are done in Spanish Red Cross are for the 
people that are in Spanish records. <laughs> it's not that only, but many times the people that most visit the Spanish records website, let's say, is volunteers, are volunteers or people that work at the Spanish records. So many times um, the activities that we do, our our audience is uh, Spanish records volunteers. We try to go wider, but sometimes it's difficult. So other of the audiences that we have is all the local governments, uh, regional governments, and even national governments that uh, we have different agreements with them. So this is a really good tool to be able to show what we are doing with, with the money that they are providing, funding, or the different projects that we are involved with them, you know, or even to try to get new projects. Because uh, here you can see the transparency and the accountability uh, that we try to show, you know, this is the, the good value. And what we are trying is to go further and further and people uh, to know this because at the end, this open data, it was released the 12th of June. So it's almost one month and a half later. So we are still in the process of trying to communicate it to the world, you know, and so others can also learn because before this, uh, the initiatives that we were doing, of course, we have a, an annual uh, memory that you can find it on the website, it's public. And also there are a lot of uh, lessons learned, uh, practices that we share. But at the end, it's little by little, but this gives us the window to to show the, the, public, the general public and donors and government and so on what the activities that we really do and that they can check the, the data. And you, you were talking about sort of, you know, you're, you're really much in the infancy of this project a little bit. You mentioned earlier there are some plans moving forward, like, for example, actually publishing the open data sets themselves so people are not just limited to, to what you've done with Power BI. But what are some of the other uh, plans moving forward. So, for example, you also mentioned there was different stages. You first started with one area of intervention, which I'm assuming was very much directly to, to the COVID-19. And I'm assuming you added education and the environment, things like that. But yeah, what, what are some of your plans moving forward for, for this tool? Do you know? Yeah, the idea is that uh, not only the response to COVID can be solved, but also all the, all the, the response that we do in different programs. I don't know, for example, um, we have a lot of different programs in, in employability or in social inclusion that uh, we provide response and to many people. For example, uh, there are a lot of programs uh, that are for refugees or for people uh, or for migrants. And so the idea is that we can show a little more of the activities that we do in the different areas, even in disaster management. What we want is to be more open and try to say, okay, we have done this year, this many interventions. This is the people attend that we have attended in these uh, interventions. Uh, this is the kind of interventions that we have. It, it has been in, in floods or in fires or depends. But what we, what we are looking for is indicators that allow us to show to the people the activity that's, that we do. And because mainly all the programs that we have, they have indicators, right? Like we want to achieve to get to these many people or to create these capabilities or... So this is a little how we are working, creating indicators 
to be able to establish what we want to show to the public so they can know what we do specifically in the different projects. So let's talk about the indicators a little bit. You, you glanced over it, but can you give us perhaps a, a case study or an example of how an indicator that was used by the Red Cross, or I should say the Spanish Red Cross, on creating either a new program or changing a current program, or maybe even eliminating a program? Because sometimes indicators saying like, we created this program because we thought people were going to like it and use it, but turns out nobody does. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Am I putting you on the spot? It's difficult. It's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to answer uh, that kind of questions. Well, but... well, well let's, let's stick with you a little bit because you are uh, mostly focused on disaster management with the Spanish Red Cross. Yeah. Right? And obviously, the pandemic, what I'm assuming falls in your area of expertise. Yes. What are some of the. I'll give you a classic one. This is something that I always have to bring up at one point in one of my podcast episodes because it was hilarious. In the early stages of the pandemic and in many Western countries, there was shortages of toilet paper. Now, I was lucky enough not too long ago to speak with Audrey Tang, the Minister for Digital Government for Taiwan, and they actually published to the public <laughs> the, the, the supply chain for toilet paper. So nobody was freaking out. They did the same thing. No, not toilet paper, for masks. It was for masks. You could actually go in the Taiwanese government and find out how many masks were in a pharmacy or things along those lines. Obviously, we had the toilet paper problems around here. Yeah. But what are some of these indicators, perhaps, in your field that, that could be used to either predict other problems related to, to a, a disaster? Well, for example, the number of calls that we get asking for relief items and things like this. So uh, Mika, number of calls that you get for what? Uh, for example, for one of the activities that we have been doing during all the pandemic uh, has been, for example, to provide food or medicines uh, to elderly people or people that was in confinement. So because these people could not go out and, and buy things at their supermarket, right? So. Uh, Spanish Red Cross has been helping more vulnerable people to provide this to their homes, like to create uh, a lot of boxes with food, but many organizations have been doing this. But what this has helped us is also to understand the situation of the people that we would go into their houses to provide these kind of items, uh, to know how would be the situation after the pandemic, right? So you can have an overall idea of what these people might have as a consequence in the future, because if they were working or they weren't working or they have to stop or they were fired before, or I don't know, there are many different situations, but what we try is that uh, our volunteers have, uh, th what the organization tries is that the uh, volunteers get more and more capacitation, you know, like more abilities to detect this kind of vulnerabilities. So once we go into the different houses or talk with the people, you can detect a few things that can help you to insert these, these people in, into our programs to provide a longer response and more integrated. And I think that's what you were mentioning a little bit earlier, that one of the things you guys are working on is sort of the, 
the client journey, right? Someone might come in into the program or within the family of the Spanish Red Cross for one thing, like say health, and then, you know, you, you meander through education, environment, and they become volunteers and, and mapping all that out is, again, for, for an organization that works closely in response to the art, you only wish the government was so transparent, right? <laughs> so th this is fantastic stuff. And, and continuing a little bit, going back to the tool here of Cruz Roja Responde, do you know of any situations where perhaps a politician's or a government body has quoted it or used it to create something different? Like, so for example, you were mentioning about a lot of people that are confined to their homes. Have, have, has this tool been used either by, even by media to say like, this is a real problem. And thanks to this tool, we know where the problem is and, and we got to address it. Well, I don't think that it has been in that sense. Uh, it has been more like the news that we have had regarding the activities that we were doing or the open data was more to get to the public, like to send for sensibilization, awareness, uh, so people could know all the activities uh, that we were doing. So if they could contribute, they could, you know, I think it has been more in that sense, not yeah, so much yeah. in, the, in using it against the things that should be done, let's say. Yeah, it's, it's baby steps a little bit. First, you let yeah. the people know that, <laughs> that it's there and it's present and let people play around with it a little. Um, I'm actually wondering uh, along those lines, uh, how difficult, what, are, do you know how to use Power BI yourself? Yeah. Is it difficult yeah. to learn? No, it's not, it's not very difficult. I mean, if you are, uh, if you uh, work with Excel, like in really often, and you know how to create dynamic tables and, you know, different functions, it's quite easy because um, it helps you to structure the data and to, you can even make relationships between different tables in order to um, show the visualizations and you can mix data coming from different areas. So it's quite easy to use once you have started a little. And the good thing is that there are a lot of manuals that you can find on the internet that you can learn by yourself. So that's the the good uh, part of it. And more and more also in international emergencies, we are using it because in disaster management, we don't we do not only work in domestic, but also in, at international level. And yes, it's one of the tools that are being quite used late, lately. Have you used Tableau in the past? Uh, no, I, I know it, but I have not used it. Uh, what we work with sometimes, uh, well, we have it installed in our servers in different projects in international cooperation programs. Uh, we work with Pentaho, that is an open source tool for business intelligence. And yeah, we work a lot with it as well. I want to talk about a little bit of the independent programs. Now, I know it's not necessarily your 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 area of strength, your disaster management. But there are a lot of social economic programs that are being profiled on this tool. Uh, we're talking about training, we're talking about education. Can you go each into all of them and give us maybe like just a bit of an overview of the kind of work that's being done there? And let's start first with Inclusion Social. Okay. 
in in social inclusion uh, what uh, is more focused okay is into the people into the more in the most vulnerable people that have entered in our programs from one way or another some of the um, like here it comes for example now has not been possible because people was uh, in their houses but for example for people that do not have resources many times uh, when kids go out of school okay they go to the to a red cross branch uh, and then they can be having a, a snap uh, and then doing homework with some volunteers that help them to improve their their abilities and capabilities in in the school right this is for example one area with vulnerable people Other area is refugees and migrants. Uh, when when people come into into Spain and they go into our resources, what we try is that uh, they have um, a response that they they have the space in which they can be safe and they can in, improve the uh, a little to at, at least so they can know the options that they have. And if they are in a refugee program. They can try to learn Spanish. They have different activities in order to assure or to improve the chances to be integrated in the society. Um, then, uh, for example, in employability, for these families that are more vulnerable and that is difficult for them to enter into the labor market, uh, the government has their own project, right, for these kind of their own programs for these kind of activities. But what the Spanish Red Cross is more focused is on the most vulnerable, like the people that has less less opportunities to enter to those kind of um, possible offers, and maybe something so easy as uh, help somebody to improve their curriculum, like the paper that you handle in in a business, right? So you can be a person in that process that can get that job. In education, uh, there are a lot of uh, trainings, um, but in here in the in the education uh, sector, what we have been more focused is on giving, providing online trainings regarding COVID-19, so people could understand what was the COVID-19, how to mitigate it, and things like this so you are aware of how it, the illness uh, the pandemic world and and things like this for example uh, in, during this response uh, health do a lot of campaigns usually it was uh, even with uh, aids uh, with aids campaigns or in this moment it has been we have been working with on the sensibilization in hygiene promotion and also it has a really big component about the psychosocial support for example during this pandemic in spain there have been many families that have lost a member of their families because of covid and these people have died alone at, at the at the hospital or at different places because visits were not allowed and for the, this has been very hard for people so you could spanish we had some telephones so people could call in but also to the users that are uh, usually in our programs what the volunteers and the, the the workers have been doing is calling these users to make sure that they were okay that they could talk with someone things like this so yes we have been moving um between many different areas and other of the things that we have been doing in social inclusion and also in emergencies 
is that we have created shelters for homeless people because they were in the street and they could not be confined in, uh, they could not, not do the confinement in, in the street. So, um, us together with the local governments have provided shelters in order that homeless people could stay there and have, uh, we have been providing health, um, food, things like this. So yes, we have a broad spectrum of activities. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's amazing, and and I love that. I love the approach you guys are taking because you're 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 focused more on the awareness element and seeing if maybe other jurisdictions will sort of do the exact same thing. You're sort of leading by doing, and that's one of the things that I find particularly amazing. I'm looking at the stats right now. Like we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people, millions of you know, responses and requests and interventions. And we're talking about transparency and accountability a little bit. And this is probably a question I should have asked earlier, but I'm going to ask directly now. A lot of people, when it comes to government services, they want to know the dollar figures. So do you know if you guys have plans on putting budget-related information up on the tools? Like, for example, like each, each intervention costs X amount of dollars or, or anything along those lines? Yeah, in fact, um, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we had a meeting uh, because uh, I've not been doing the open data that we are talking about, how my colleagues have, but we have been providing some input uh, with data and with some recommendations on the visualizations. Um, but what I've been involved is in a meeting in which we want to do uh, a storytelling with the data that we have. And in this storytelling, what we wanted to know, to, what, what we were discussing was that, what, which is our audience? What do people want to know? And also, uh, if we want to be transparent also with the activities that we do, we also have to be transparent with the money that we have. So all this is not possible if we don't have the contributions from, from, the, from the people, from the general society, from companies, from the government, you know? So yes, that is something that, is in our next steps as, as far as I, uh, as I see it. Yeah, and, and at the same time, it's, um, it's fun. You know, <laughs> people, it, 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 this is a, a silly thing, but it, it's, I'm assuming it's the same thing in Spain as it is in Canada, which is it can be very hard sometimes to get people involved in civic engagement, civic technology, and, and civic issues in general. And usually the easiest way to get people into a conversation is to talk about the budget, to talk yeah. about how their taxpayer dollars are being used. I'm assuming the same is true in, in your parts of the world? Yes, of course. And if, if we would not have budget, of course, <laughs> we would not be able to do all these activities, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I fully understand that uh, this is a need and that we have to be able to provide it. Because people is not aware of the cost of things in many cases and many times, right? So if we don't show that figures, it won't be helping neither uh, the activity that is behind all this and all the work of volunteers. In in one of the in one of the open data dashboard uh, specific places, you can go and check the number of volunteers that have been working uh, during during this pandemic in Spanish Red Cross. And I, th I believe that is also the hours of volunteers, because the strength, the 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 more the the best strength that the Spanish Red has are the volunteers, and we are an organization based on volunteers. So we have to make sure that 
they are okay, they are happy, they are provided with the proper personal protection equipment, you know, all these things, because if not, uh, we cannot, one, they are not safe and they are our main, our main strength. And secondly, if they are not secure, the people that we are working with wouldn't be secure neither. I'm actually looking at that, the volunteer hours and how many volunteers you have. And, and it's interesting, just on the surface alone, like there's a story right there. You're talking about making stories out of the data. And what I'm seeing is you guys have about 56,000 volunteers, 32,000 of which are female, 24,000 of, uh, 24, of which are male. But it looks like at least the data that a male volunteer will put, will put in more hours than a female volunteer. And, and obviously <laughs> we're not getting involved into LGBTQ and, and trans people no. uh, conversation. This is just what the data is showing. I'm talking here. Um, so th that's interesting. And you obviously have a map and it's very much this, the, the location of your volunteers is mostly in, in Madrid, I'm assuming. And well, yeah, the thing is that Madrid and Barcelona are the, the cities that are bigger in in comparison with other places, but it's proportional, you know, like it's proportional the number of volunteers with the cities. But these kind of things also help us to know which are like for decision making, right? And analytics, these kind of maps help us to know where are less volunteers and to analyze the reasons of that. If, if if we made the ratio, for example, uh, one uh, how many volunteers by each one uh, one hundred thousand people, we could really know the the average and and be able to analyze in which regions we have less presence and and try to analyze why. Now this is fantastic, and, and we got to start thinking about uh, wrapping up the episode here. And I want to give you an, the opportunity. Like, is there anything that that we haven't mentioned yet or any things that you're working on that you'd like to, to bring up to our attention? Well, um, as I said before, I, I work a lot with information management and uh, we, we are more and more involved in all open data in the international disaster management emergencies. Uh, we are involved in many, in many platforms. Uh, for example, we also work with missing maps that is an initiative that tried to map vulnerable people into the map and all the data that is mapped go into OpenStreetMap, which is open. And this is one, uh, we have some projects on, on it. And this is done together with HOT, that is Humanitarian OpenStreetMap team. Um, and there are different members like American Red Cross, MM, MSF, Canadian Red Cross. There, there are a few different organizations involved. And also, uh, for example, in the in the GOAT platform that is from the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Cross Societies, it's published all the information from all the, the public information that uh, of the operations in which the movement is involved. And you can see, in, for example, there you can you can have the different um, data that has been requested, the amount of fundings of of those appeals of of those threats in order to give a, a response to a certain emergency, right? And yes, I, I don't know, there are many, many initiatives in which we are try to try to collaborate and help. And we really believe in the open data because it's where you can learn, where you can do more analysis and help others. You guys are, are quite an example for 
for many organizations and hopefully the um, your leadership will help move things forward for those organizations that that are not as that, that are having a little bit of resistance when it comes to the conversation. So I want to thank you dearly for, for taking part in this interview and being so insightful with your answers. So thank you for all that. Thank you for, as I said before at the beginning, for the invitation. It's a real, a real pleasure to be here. And yeah, thanks. Oh, you're, very, you're very welcome. And uh, I want to thank our audience for listening. And as usual, please leave a rating or a comment on how to make the podcast better or if there's any guests or any stories that you'd like to hear. So until next time, let's make it open.